Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday evening message. Today we conclude our series entitled Shift. In this series, we dive into God's Word and find a way to use the Holy Spirit to the maximum in our lives. And now with the final message in the series, Associate Pastor Mitch Rose. Bibles. We're going to jump right in. We are concluding a series called Shift. How many of you have been here for all five weeks? This is one of the longest series we've done. Yeah, Five weeks in this series called Shift, and uh, this has been just a, a wonderful, thanks for the girl, a wonderful, um, wonderful series. We started it just a few weeks after the beginning of the year, and uh, sort of been asking God for this holy shift to occur in our lives, and uh, this divine shift to happen in our in our sphere of influence and the people that we care about most, we want shifts to happen in their life. We want shifts to happen in our relationships, on our jobs. We've we just been believing God for that. We've been praying and believing that God would shift our finances and, and, and our families and our health. And we would go from just from weakness to go to strength. How many of you, that sounds like something that I could use coming into this new year, man. Just a shift from sickness to wholeness, from poverty to plenty. We just... We just really have been believing God to sort of shift everything in our lives. And we've been saying over the past five weeks that anything is possible with God. Anything can change in just a moment when God decides to shift something in your life. Let me ask you a question. Over the last five weeks, not, not previous to this, but just in this preaching series, how many of you would say that there has been things that have shifted in your life? Would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Absolutely. We've been asking God for sort of that divine shift. I'm, not, I'm, I'm believing that it's, it's not over with, that God's going to continue to do that. It's sort of setting the course for this year. We've decided that this is going to be a different year. We're going to shift the way we think about things this year. Things are just going to change this year. We're going to end 2015 and look back and say, man, I am so thankful that God did what He did in my life and sort of He brought those shifts to my life, the things that even seem uncomfortable at the time or or that may be you know, difficult to sort of navigate those shifts because they feel uncomfortable. But now here I am on the other side of that, and I am so grateful that God did that. So as a way of review, since we're in a five-week series, which we never do this long of a series, but uh, since we're in a five-week series, I was, sort of want to review uh, the, the last four weeks to catch you up. Maybe if you haven't been in church or you missed a week, grab something to write with, a crayon or something to write with, and... Um, something out of your purse or your neighbor's purse and write on that. I want to give you a few things that you can write down. In week one, uh, we said this. We, we looked at the, uh, the passage in Numbers. I don't know if you remember this. And we said the people of Israel were complaining and whining about only eating manna. And God caused this wind. Do you remember this story? God caused this wind to sort of shift the atmosphere. The, the Bible actually says that the wind sort of changed. And he blew in. God blew in these quail. How many of you like to eat, like, wild game like that? Yeah. Uh, there's some of you rednecks. I can spot you from, from here. <laughs> Quail comes I'm kidding. Quail comes in. The Bible said it's three feet deep as long as people could walk, as long as the children of Israel could walk. It's three feet deep of quail. And so we said in that first week, we could believe God for something bigger. You want to write that down? We could believe God for favor. We could believe God for, uh, you could expect that God's blessings coming. We could expect something now rather than later. And we just said that a shift was coming that would provide for us. Say amen to that. Then in week two, we uh, jumped into Luke, the fifth chapter, and we sort of looked at this fishing day on in the life of Simon. How many of you like to fish? 
Same people that like wild game. Yep. And uh, we looked in this fishing day that Simon and Simon had fished all day, not caught anything. And Jesus sort of uh, walks on the scene. There's this shift in the atmosphere. And as soon as that shift happens, the entire event changes. The boat is overflowing. The Bible says it's sinking with fish. And we said that when God asks you to do something out of the ordinary for him, it's because he wants to do something out of the ordinary for you. When God asks you to do something out of the ordinary for Him, it's because He wants to do something out of the ordinary for you. And so that's what He did for Simon that day. And when you feel like it's over, when you feel like it's at the end, you may be at the beginning of something. And something doesn't have to be big for God to use it, we said in that third week. And God could, I'm sorry, in the, uh, in the second week, we said that God could use something small and sort of change it. Then in the third week, we stayed right in the same passage, Luke the fifth chapter, and Uh, we said that Jesus did not necessarily want them to do something different. He just wanted them to think about what they were doing in a different way or to do it differently. Same exact passage, they're they're fishing and Jesus says they've caught nothing and Jesus says to to throw your nets on the other side of the boat. You remember this. There's a shift that happens. They, They bring in so much fish. The Bible said that the nets were about to break and we said that you could pray big prayers to God, and you can believe God for big promises in our lives. And and then last week, here we are again, we sort of go back to the the people of Israel, and they're leading, uh, Moses is leading them, and they're they're leaving Egypt, and the Bible says there's this cloud that follows them in front of them, and then in Numbers, last week we said that the cloud shifted, you remember this, from in front of them to behind them. And it shifted behind them so that it could confuse, it, it engulfed their enemy. The, the Egyptians were on their tail and this pillar, this, this cloud that had sort of been in front of them shifted to the rear of them. And we said this, that it's, it's not God's will for you to keep looking behind you at what's chasing you, but to keep your eyes in front of you about where God's taking you. Amen? So that's kind of where we are in a real quick synopsis. That's four weeks of preaching if you missed all four weeks. That's all you needed to know. So here we are tonight wrapping up this five-week series. And uh, it's going to be a, a little different than that. We're not going to be here a long time. I just want to sort of wrap in this, this whole series in a bow. It's a lot of information over five weeks. But I want you to walk away with a really big idea. I want you to leave this series with a really big idea about what God wants to do in our life. Here's two things that this series was meant to do. There are two things that we were hoping for in this series. I want you to write these down. The first thing that we, we believe God for is that there was going to be a shift in our lives, a physical shift, a heaven-initiated shift that we could point to and say, God did that for us. That God initiated this shift in our finances or this shift in our, in our healing or our health, that, that, that doors of opportunity began to open, that prayer began to be answered, that provision and healing and restoration comes, that there is this divine shift that would happen in our lives. That was the first thing that we have prayed for for the past five weeks. The second thing is not that, that our circumstances necessarily shift, it's that internally my attitude and my perspective shifts, that not just things shift around me, but I start shifting how I look at what's around me. Say amen to that. We've been praying and believing that God would shift our minds and shift our perspective and shift our focus so that what we looked at and what we saw had faith attached to it, had 
promises attached to it. We could believe God for more, not because our circumstances had shifted, but because our perspective had shifted. And we sort of take this step of faith and position ourselves in this place to receive a divine shift in our circumstances. And so here, all I want to do tonight with this, with this last message is sort of dive into a very familiar passage. If you've, if you've been around church for a long time, my assumption is most of you have been around church and you've heard this story. I just want to dive into this passage real quick. I want to give you a couple of things you can grab a hold of. You can leave this series knowing that God is really working on your behalf to do something marvelous for you. Now listen, here's what we usually do in this part of the service. I ask you to get your Bibles. I don't want you to do that. If you have a copy of the scriptures, get those out. If you have a, a tablet or a smartphone, you have your Bible on. Listen, there's no reason not to have a Bible in 2015. So get something and look at it. We're going to look at Luke, the 20th chapter. I want you to go there, Luke, the 20th chapter. Hold your finger there. I don't want to read the passage to you. I sort of want to illustrate the passage to you. Turn your attention to the screens. There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son left for a distant country. There, he wasted everything he had in wild living. After he had run out of money, there was a terrible famine throughout the country and he began to struggle. He was hired to feed pigs and was so hungry, even what he fed the pigs looked good to him. My father's servants sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death, he thought. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got up and headed home. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. All right, so if, if you've been around church at all, you've heard this story. This is, this is Luke 15, and this is the story of the prodigal son. Everybody says son, 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 prodigal son. So this is sort of the, the overarching idea that, you know this, this son sort of leaves home and takes his inheritance and then spends it all and, uh, and then wants to come back to his father. Everybody's heard that. Luke 15, kind of verses 11 through 19 or 20, 21, depending on your translation is where that video catches. And so when we hear this story, when I hear this story, I always sort of focus on the son. This is the story of the prodigal son. This is the story of uh, him leaving all and sort of coming back to God. Is that how you've heard it? So I've heard it all of my life. It's always about the prodigal son. But I want to shift our attention to another character in the story. I want to talk about the prodigal father. Would you write that at the top of your notes? I want to talk about the prodigal father. Tonight, Just real quick as we end this series together, I want to talk about the prodigal father. Now listen, I, I want you to understand quickly what, what that means. I misunderstood what prodigal meant. I have spent all my life, Pastor Josh, believing that prodigal meant lost. How many of you believe that that's what that meant? 
be honest. I thought that's what it meant. I thought that the prodigal son was wayward, that he was lost. Have you, have you ever referred to someone as a prodigal because they were sort of away from? Have you, have you said that? Yeah, that's the way I've always used it. Incorrect. Prodigal, by definition, has nothing to do with sort of being lost or wayward or wandering at all. Prodigal, by definition, simply means this. It means to be extravagant or reckless or, or, or a, a free spender, someone who spends a lot, someone who just is reckless with their resources and their money and their finances. Yeah, some of you are married to prodigals. Y'all don't even know that. <laughs> some of you got prodigal kids. Y'all don't even know that's what they were. <laughs> They're just. How many of you are married to a prodigal? Don't lie, my hand's up. Free spenders. There's always, of course, I saw Andrew raise his hand and sort of did this. He didn't want, his, your wife saw you, bub. There's, in a relationship, usually there's a saver and a spender. Let me ask you this question. It would be better. How many of you are the savers in your relationship? Sure, sure you are. Now your spouse is looking at you like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Prodigal just means somebody that sort of spends freely and extravagantly and recklessly and and so the Bible says that this is the prodigal son. This is the son that's, that's prodigal and, and he sort of wastes everything he's got. So to call him the prodigal son is absolutely right. The Bible said that he's reckless in how he spends his money. He just wastes it when he goes too far away. He gets his inheritance and he sort of wastes it all on sinful living and he's reckless with it. So calling him prodigal is correct. And then the Bible says when he runs out of money, the video showed you when he runs out of money, and sort of the city that he's in, I don't know, I think it's Las Vegas, wherever he's at. The city that he's in sort of goes into bankruptcy and there's a famine in the land. All the casinos shut down. He's lost all of his money. There's just no way out. And you think what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but we're still talking about what happened in Vegas to him. Don't forget that. So he... <laughs> Ray don't like Vegas. So he spends it all then. He sort of wakes up to himself, the Bible says one day. Stay with me. He wakes up and he says, this is not how I should be living. This is not, he sort of has this aha moment when he says, man, I am deciding, I'm making up my mind to go back home. There's just no way I should be living like this. And and in my estimation, what I would imagine he's doing is sort of comparing the life that he had before he left to the life that he's currently living. And he's thinking, man, here I am feeding pigs and, and things are just falling apart and, and I have nothing left. And so here I am. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back home. And so this is where we're going to pick up the story. Luke 15 and verse 20. I want you to read along in your Bible. This is sort of where we'll pick up the story after the video. So the Bible says, so he got up and went to his father. And Jesus is telling the story, but while he was a long way off, everybody say a long way off. I'm going to wake up, say a long way off. His father saw him, you don't have to keep saying that, and was, and was filled with compassion for him. I want you to pay close attention, underline this if you do that in your Bible. And he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. I want you to catch all of the adjectives. I want you to catch how descriptive the father's response is here. The Bible said he saw him a long way off. And he was filled with compassion and he ran to him and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And then the son said this, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. It's a legitimate response. It's the response I would have. It's the response you would have. 
But the father said to his servants, verse 22, Quick, I want you to bring the best robe and put it on him. and bring, Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. I think this happened in Texas because it's beef barbecue. Verse 24 says, For this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And so they begin to celebrate. Now I want you to watch this closely. Put, put your finger back at verse 21. Here's what it says. The, the son sort of comes back to his father after this lavish display of compassion. After he sees him afar away and after he runs to him and after he throws his arms around him and after he, he kisses him, after he sort of celebrates his son coming home. This is what the Bible says. That the son says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Here's the first thing that I want you to know. Here's the overarching thing I want you to walk away from this entire series. All five weeks, here's what I want you to catch. Ready? We have a tendency to downshift when God wants us to upshift. We have a tendency... Hang on just a second. Let 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 me unpack it for you. We have a tendency to downshift... When God wants us to upshift, I have a tendency, you have a tendency to downshift our position based on our current circumstances. I have a tendency to look at my current reality and say, let me dial back my faith. Let me dial back my belief. Listen, and this is why we do it. We do it so that we don't get hurt in case it doesn't happen, right? Let me just not believe God for bigger. Let me just, let me lower my expectations. Let me lower my prayers. Some of you in this room have quit praying things you used to pray because our tendency is to downshift when God wants us to. Our tendency is to go back to God and say, listen. I know I've messed this up. So let me take the pressure off of you. And I'll just be a slave here. I'll just be a servant here. You don't have to do anything for me. I'm not expecting anything. You don't have to fix this for me. This is all my fault. I I did wrong. I just want to come back and live. I don't even have to live in the house. I just want to live out there in the shack, in the yard. Just let me come back here. It's got to be better than what I was. And we downshift our expectation of what the Father wants to do. We tend to downshift ourselves into what we think we deserve. Say amen to that. I don't deserve God to answer my prayer like this. I, I don't deserve it. Listen, put yourself in his shoes. And, and, and the truth is all of us would feel this exact same way. There's no way I deserve to be called his son. There's no way I deserve to be called at his table and to be part of his family and these servants answering to me and and you're feeling so low about yourself that you downshift your position. I don't think I deserve anything. I can't be accepted. I, I can't receive forgiveness. There's no way I could ever rebuild anything of value. I'm helping you right now. There's no way I could ever have a successful marriage again. There's no way I could ever build another successful business because this one failed and and I messed it up so I dial back my faith in God that He can't do this again. There's just no way. I, I deserve this and so I downshift my expectation and I say, God, I'm beyond repair. 
I'll never forget meeting with somebody who, who, who's very close to me. Brandy and I, we got married way, way too young. We've been married 15 years this year. And, and early in our marriage, we met, we met a, a man who sort of battled this sin all of his life. It was just, it was a really, really, really hard struggle for him. And, and he sort of had hid that for a long time and then came out with that. Uh, after a, a series of, 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 you know, interactions with us, and he felt like, you know, I just, I, here it comes, and, and here's who I am, and here's what I am. And I'll never forget a conversation that we had where he said, I'm just going to hell anyway. Literally. He just believed, I'm going to hell anyway. I can't help that. I can't fix that. So I'm just going to live the way I'm going to live because I'm going to hell anyway. That's what we do. We downshift our expectations. I'll just take the pressure off God to fix me. And we downshift ourselves to what we think we deserve. Now stay with me. If that's not bad enough, listen, grab your Bibles, verse 25. Meanwhile, while I'm downshifting my own expectation of the Father... My older brother is in the field. And he came close to the house and he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and said, What in the world is happening at daddy's house? And the servant said, Your brother has come. And he replied, Your father has killed the calf because he's come back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look at all of these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders. This is a funny line to me. Yet you never even gave me a young goat to throw my own party. I have been wanting to throw a goat party for all of my friends and you have not even given me a goat. You know how bad I want a goat party. And I don't even get a goat. I never get a goat. All I want's a goat party. Verse 30. This is so funny to me. But this, your son, this son of yours, I love that translation, this son of yours who has squandered all of your property with prostitutes comes home and he gets barbecue. Now, Brother Larry, this is funny to me because nowhere else in the Bible did anybody bring up prostitutes. Leave it to your brother to go, Daddy, he's been hooking up with women you don't even know about. I know about women he's hooking up with. Talk about a low blow. Nobody bringing up prostitutes. Why you got to bring up prostitutes? Oh, just... Why? Let me tell you why. Here's the second thing. I want you to write it down. Not only do I tend to downshift my position, but others tend to downshift me and my position. Others want to downshift us into what they think we deserve. So now here this son is who is downshifting his own expectation of the father. And if that wasn't bad enough, he's feeling bad enough. He comes, to, he comes to the father and he says, man, I don't even deserve all of this. I don't even deserve to be called your son. I just want to be one of your servants here. If that's not bad enough that he's downshifting his own position, now there's other people around him who are saying, 
He's exactly right about that. I know what he said. I wired him money. I know what he's, I had to wire him money in Vegas because he ran out of money on prostitutes. I know what he's doing. He doesn't deserve this. And so other people in your life downshift your expectation. Don't point at anybody, but how many of you have, have somebody in your life who every time your faith starts rising, they downshift your expectation? They say, why would you keep praying that way? Surely God's not going... If He was going to answer, He would have already answered. Why do you even go to church? I know how you live. I know what you've done. I know where you've been. I was with you when you did it. I know exactly how bad you have been. I know where you were last night or today. Uh, You called me from there. You don't remember calling me, but I remember picking you up, right? I know how bad you are. You don't deserve anything. And other people tend to downshift us to what they think we deserve. He's messed up big time. He doesn't deserve a party. I want a goat party. He gets Rudy's barbecue. So the son's downshifting himself. And others are downshifting him. Now listen, here's the crux of the whole deal. We're almost about to go home because I'm hungry. Listen, Reese's peanut butter cups. Where's he at, Nick? Where you at? All the way in the balcony. Stay, sit down. Listen, watch, listen to me. I'm downshifting myself. And other people are downshifting me to what they think that I deserve. And in the middle of all of this, this prodigal father walks in the middle of these two dynamics, this, inter, this inner downshifting and this outer downshifting. And he says... I don't care what you think about you, and I don't care what you think about him. Here's what I know. My son was lost, and now he's found. He's still my son, and this is what I know to be true about my son. Listen, write this down. Write this down. You can't write and clap. Write it down. God wants to upshift you To what he designed for you. Not what you deserve. (laughs) The whole message of this five week series is this. God wants every person in this room to shift upwards. God's desire for every person who has ever followed Jesus and put their faith in Jesus is for a life where upshift happens, where things start moving in an upward direction, where when I come to God, I can come to God full of faith, where I can come to God believing that what He says about me is true, where I can come to God and say, God, I don't deserve this, but listen, I'm not going to base my opinion on what I think I deserve. I'm going to base it on what you know for me. And instead of downshifting, I'm ready to upshift with you. I'm ready to believe what it is you say about me. This is a story about a prodigal father who is so wasteful with mercy. This is a story about a prodigal father who is so reckless with compassion that he defies all of logic and he looks at the son and says, you're right, you stink, you're filthy, you wasted all my money, but you're still my son. He looks at his older boy and he says, you're right, he's filthy, he wasted all of our money, he's reckless, he... But he's still my son. And he was dead. And now he's home. And this 
prodigal father sort of waste all of the mercy he's got on a son who comes home. Listen, look at me in the eyes. Listen to me. You and I have a heavenly father who is prodigal in how he hands out mercy. He is wasteful in how he hands out compassion. He is wasteful and reckless. It is the scandal of grace that you and I can bring our rags and our filthiness and our sin and our mistakes and our problems and all the stuff I did to myself and I can go to God and I can say, God, I don't deserve anything and our prodigal father steps in and says, you're my son and you're welcome back to my family. That's worth celebrating. God is trying to upshift us into our position in the kingdom while I'm downshifting what I think about myself, while others are downshifting what I should deserve. God is constantly reaching for me and reaching for you. And prying the the gears out of our hands to shift us up where we belong. Listen to me. Your dreams don't have to die. Your prayers don't have to stop. Your faith can be increased. You, you, You may have taken a different path than you wish you did. You may be embarrassed about the tracks you've traveled down. You may be humiliated if anybody was to find out. You may be embarrassed about how far you've gone. You may, you, you may be scared to tell anybody about what you could have been and should have been and would have been. But listen, you don't have to keep downshifting yourself in the Father's presence because He's ready, ready, ready to shift us up. At home. That's why. Psalms 103. David would say this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. I love this. He's slow to anger. But he's filled with unfailing love. Let me, let me give you a, a better translation. He's slow to get angry. But he's quick to forgive. <laughs> How many of you have parents who were not. They were just the opposite of that. <laughs> with a quick temper and. And quick to judge. And here's what we do. We sort of go to our Heavenly Father and we think He's just like our earthly father, just like our earthly mother, grandmama. And we think, man, He's just waiting to kill me. No, 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 no. Your Bible says just the opposite. He's slow to get angry, but He's quick to recover us. He's slow to deal with us, but He's quick to gather us up. He's slow to anger, but He's filled with compassion and mercy and unfailing love. Shout amen to that. He's... Quick to give us a divine shift in our lives that you and I need. That shift upwards to where we're supposed to be. Not down, but shifting up. A shift higher, not lower. A shift greater, not less than. A shift over, not under. A shift towards greatness. A shift towards our destiny. A shift towards where God wants us to be. A shift where our blessing comes. A shift where our promises are are, are revealed. A shift where our prayers are answered, a shift where our business starts succeeding again, a shift where our marriage gets whole again, a shift where our health comes back again. Do you understand what I'm preaching to you? That it's God's will to shift us up, up, up. Touch everybody you can reach and tell them I'm going up. I'm going up. I'm going up. I'm going up. Touch everybody. Touch everybody. Tell them I'm going up. I'm going up. I'm going up. 
Hey, listen, it's only up from here. It can't get any lower than where I come from, so I'm going up from here. It can't get any harder than what I've lived through, so I'm going up from here. It can't get any worse than where I've been, so I'm on, I'm on my way up from here, up from here, up from here. Yeah. Ephesians says it like this. Ephesians 2, grab your Bibles. Come on, girl, and let's preach a while. Ephesians 2 says this. All of us, I love this passage. I read this out loud to my wife today. I love this passage. I love this translation of this passage. I want you to go home and read all of Ephesians 2. If, if, if you're a struggling Christian, the whole book of Ephesians is a wonderful, wonderful book on grace and mercy. And Ephesians 2 says this. All of us also lived among them at one time. Don't point around, but the them we're talking about, you know. You know. We all lived among them at one time and we gratified the cravings of our own flesh and we followed its own desires and thoughts. How many of you lived like that? How many of you know that was you? That was me. That's how... Balcony, where you at? How many of you know that was you? That was me. That's how we lived. And like the rest... I love this strange... Like all the rest. Like, like the rest of them. We were by nature deserving of wrath. That's a really hard passage to grasp. But here's, here's what I want you to know. By nature, Brother Lear, it's just my nature to sin. It's your nature to sin. It's my nature to choose wrong. It's my nature to fall. It's my nature to mess up. It's my nature to need, to deserve the wrath of Almighty God. And then all of the Bible cruxes and shifts on this passage. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. And it is by grace that you have been saved. Hang on. The best part's coming. And God raised us. And God raised us. And God raised us. Come on, shout up. Shout up! He raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly places. Listen to me. Look at me. When all of the world is trying to drag you down, you got to remember this. Christ has raised us up from here. It's only up from here. I'm headed up from here. It's all up from here. Yeah. Christ raised us up to be seated with Him in the heavenly places. I love that. In the heavenly realms. In other words, however high you think it is, it's higher than that. (laughs) However high you think, whatever you can imagine that God has planned for your life, it's bigger than that. Whatever you believe that God could do, man, if God could just give me an okay job, (laughs) you know, it's bigger than that. If God could just give me a man that's, not that ugly. You know what I'm saying? If he could just... If he could just have a job. Don't have be a good job, just a job. <laughs> if she can just cook a little bit. If... <laughs> 
Come on, if my kids just come to church a few times, if my spouse just, if he just, if it just gets a little bit better, if we don't fight, no, no, no. Wherever you're thinking, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus is calling us to heaven. It's further up than that. It's higher than what you're thinking. It's better than you could have ever imagined. It's greater than you could have ever prayed for. It's higher in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. Listen, hang on, I'm almost done. In order that, in the coming ages, our kids would be shown the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness in Christ Jesus. You and I have to shift our perspective from who I think I am and who others say that I am to who God knows that I am. I have to shift. Listen, all of this message series is about shifting my perspective from who I think I am and who others say that I am to who God knows that I am. Everybody else is trying to downshift me and God is trying to upshift my life. All that's inside of me says I don't deserve this. I can't get past my past. Everybody saw me fall down. Everybody saw me waste my time, waste my 20s, waste my 30s, waste my 40s, waste my first marriage, my second marriage. And I can just downshift myself so that I don't deserve anything from God. If He would just not kill me, that would be the best I can get out of Him. And we downshift ourselves and we allow our experiences to tell us who we are. And we allow our circumstances to tell us how it's always going to be. And listen, if you allow your experiences to do that, you're always going to be that person that feels like you're a failure and you're a loser and you're lazy and you're ruined and you're abused and you're used goods and you're unuseful and you're marginalized and you're rejected. It's time for you and I to trust what God says about us. It's time for us to know I belong here. I belong. Listen to everybody look at me. Listen. We can believe it's uh, uh, preachers do this sometimes. We sort of uh, we falsely assume that you have a, a problem with identity. And some of you do. Some of us sort of struggle with thinking that God could accept us. I'm I'm not really feeling like that's what we're doing, but here here's what I do think. I think that we we believe God can accept us for eternity, but we just don't believe that God could give us a better anything else now. Right? We're, we're willing to, listen, listen, listen close so you don't take this out of context. We're willing to live in hell now so we can live in heaven then. Right? And it's God's will for you to live in heaven now and in heaven then. Hell is never God's will for you. It's never enough for you to just have an okay marriage, an okay relationship, an average job. God's called us to more than this. He wants to shift us higher than this. I believe that I deserve a better marriage. I deserve what God says about my finances. I don't always have to struggle. I can be thriving. We don't always have to just survive and barely get by. God can, he can bless us abundantly. There can be more for us. There can be higher for us. God wants to shift us up into our destiny, out of our self-pity, out of our doubt, out of our fear, and in to His plan for our lives. Charles Spurgeon said this, I love this. He said, slow are the steps of repentance, 
but swift are the feet of the forgiveness. And God can run where we scarcely limp. And if we're limping towards Him, He'll run towards us. I love that. Listen, repentance isn't meant to be shameful. Repentance is not the same as guilt. Repentance is not meant to... to, Listen, it's not even meant for us to highlight your sin. Repentance is for us to highlight our God who is rich in mercy, who is prodigal in how He hands out mercy and grace and love and compassion. That's why 1 John 3 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Been been wasteful in how He's dealt with me. So that I could be called the children of God. I belong up here. I belong up here. Stand to your feet all over the house. So that's the message of this entire series that God wants to upshift us to something more. If that sounds like something you need, would you just raise your hand in a moment of honesty all over the house? You say, man, I just want more. Listen, I need something greater than what I'm currently living through. Keep your hand raised. I need something higher and more than where I currently am. I I deserve a great marriage. I deserve a great job. I deserve God to answer my prayer. I deserve to be in this house, at, at this table. I'm His son. And I've been downshifting what I feel about myself. And he's trying to upshift where I am. Now bow your heads. Close your eyes with your hands raised all over the house. My prayer, Lord Jesus, is that we would learn to upshift to where you've called us to be. That we would cast off the downshifting of what others say and what I feel that I deserve. And we would be able to see how God sees me. What the Father says about me is what's true. What He knows about me is what's true. God, I pray for people who are downshifting their life and their expectations. And you're trying to upshift them into their destiny. If that's you in the house, I want you to just take a friend by the hand. I want you to... Thank you for listening. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you enjoyed today's sermon.